You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7, well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established the Past podcast, presented by Clutch Points and our friends over at Blue Wire. I'm your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Stone Reagan, and we are back here to recap the action from week four in the NFL. And yes, for a second straight week, uh, we have to apologize to you guys because we had to move the podcast back, uh, you know, in our usual days once again, but it's because we had another major switch in the NFL, as we know, as the uh, the Chiefs and Patriots had to move their game to Monday night, so we had a doubleheader with Packers, Falcons, and Chiefs, Patriots. And uh, so we decided, once again, just to kind of hold off and uh, wait till everything unfolded, Dylan. And probably a good thing that we did because uh, coming out of that Chiefs-Patriots game, some stuff to talk about. Coming out of that Packers-Falcons game, some stuff to talk about. And a coach firing to talk about. Uh, so it was uh, quite an eventful week four. Yeah, I mean, obviously number one takeaway is that the best tight end in the NFL is uh, Robert Tanyan. But other than that... <laughs> You know, I don't know how many. Yeah, but no, it's with those two games, especially, especially our game of the week, which took a pretty big turn with uh, Cam not being available. Um, the Patriots did keep it close. Obviously, we'll get to that shortly. But yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. It's gonna. I'm really gonna miss talking about Bill O'Brien on here. Obviously, mm-hmm. don't wish any ill will to anyone, but you could understand at this point. He's they've been waiting for a while, um, giving him plenty of leeway. And yeah, I mean, after that trade and just obviously the schedule was brutal, but that effort too in the last game it's just man it was it's probably time and I although I, I'm still surprised he's the first coach uh fired uh, considering some of the other guys that we have 
Uh, still with jobs at this moment, uh, at least as of this moment, uh, Dan Quinn and Adam Gase, probably the next two that I won't be surprised to hear shortly. But, uh, yeah, there's plenty of still some final jokes with Bill O'Brien. There's people saying, like, oh, he's fired his head coach and GM, but he still has the play calling duties. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see about that next yeah. week. Uh, it's going to be interesting for Houston, interesting season. But, uh, yeah, hopefully at least we got most of the games in, only the one obviously being moved to Steelers-Titans. And hopefully, uh, even though there's a couple other guys today that – uh, I've gotten it that uh, uh, Maurice Hurst and the Raiders is on the COVID uh, list and a uh, oh. practice squad player for the Pats. So as of now, it looks like the schedule is going to still play out, but at least we have the games to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we do. And uh, let's let's go ahead and start things off here um, with uh, this Chiefs-Patriots game because we both picked it as our game of the week. And as we always do, we'll go through our each individual categories. Game of the week, betting locks, upsets, and then we'll talk about our quick picks uh, as we look at that. Uh, Chiefs-Patriots, uh, it was a game, like you said, with Cam Newton not playing, obviously completely changed the complexion of the game, and that was clear right from the very beginning. Uh, Chiefs win 26-10. to Pretty, I mean, you know, it's not your usual sort of, I think, uh, high-flying affair here between these two, 6-3 uh, to three at halftime, and then, you know, it was just kind of, a, kind of one of those games where it didn't really have a lot of scoring, and I think obviously for the Patriots, without Cam Newton, not a surprise. Uh, I guess if you're the Patriots, Damian Harris comes in, rushes for 100 yards. That's a that's a good thing. But uh, aside from that, just another win for the Chiefs and uh, for the Patriots. I don't really put a whole lot into this one just because Cam didn't play. Yeah, I think this our best call on this game was that we were predicting kind of the under just based on the past yeah. performances of Mahomes against these uh, Patriots Belichick defenses. And sure enough, 49 was the number. They only reached 36 and partially aided by the Edelman block, or uh, sorry, that Edelman drop that led to the, the pick six. I, If anything, I was impressed with New England's defense. This is the best they've looked easily all season. And they kept them in this game outside of the turnovers when New England, uh, obviously both quarterbacks that they had in there didn't really do uh, anything all that well. Um, But, I mean, overall their defense looked pretty good. They had that one turnover that uh, got called dead uh, in the grass sack. And I thought that that just overall kept them in the game for most of it. Obviously there's only so much you can do to suppress that Chiefs offense for the whole game. But if any Anything, if I'm a New England fan, I'm probably a little encouraged by that because overall their defense this year had just not been looking that great compared to last season especially. They've looked fine, but uh, I think this was an encouraging performance on their side for the Chiefs. Just another win, taking care of business. I would have loved to have seen Cam in this game, though. I think it would have been a lot closer at the end. Yep, it would have for sure. And uh, as I have two dogs wrestling right beside me, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to our betting locks of the week because these were ones that we wrestled with for sure. And uh, unfortunately, Dylan, a streak had to end, and unfortunately, it was yours because you picked the Rams uh, to oh. get the they were their 13-point favorites against the Giants. Well, they talk about an ugly game. That was an ugly game, uh, perhaps even maybe the ugliest game of the week when you consider it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, even the Colts-Bears game wasn't exactly thrilling either, but we'll get to that in a second. Rams win 17-9. Uh, I guess the biggest thing uh, in terms of uh, the game itself, really not anything aside from the fact that uh, Golden Tate and uh, Jalen Ramsey do not like each other, and that's probably the biggest takeaway from this game because this was pretty ugly uh, from start to finish with this one. 
Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm surprised the Rams didn't move farther down in the DVOA list uh, because obviously you're playing a really bad team and you didn't play that well. But it, yeah, it was I, it just overall outside of the Bills Raiders game, the afternoon slate was really boring. This game, of course, I was t- uh, tuning into the most and it was brutal to watch. It's It was discouraging given how well the Rams offense has looked all season, how well they've played. And just overall, man, I mean, the defense stepped up, sure, and the Giants offense Still, though, their offensive line is pretty brutal. Uh, Daniel Jones has not looked fantastic by any means. But to get outgained by 55 yards by the Giants, it's not a, a positive yeah. for the Rams. They they seem positive after the game. I'm, I'm, obviously, you, you're glad you get the win. If you're going to have a dud, you got to do it against a team like the Giants. But, I mean, they didn't run the ball particularly well. They outside of And then outside of that, uh, obviously, the Cooper Cup touchdown, they really were just so brutal on third downs. I'm trying to pull it up. Yeah, five for 13, but it, it felt worse than that watching it live. They had so many drives stalling before they started. Uh, I mean, if they got bailed out, it was pretty much the story of three plays. They, they lose the game if they don't have an amazing interception there at the end by Williams. Obviously, that Jalen Ramsey tackle on Golden Tate, and then the touchdown. Like, those three plays are it. Like, the whole rest of the game is just nothing from either team. It's a really ugly game. And, yeah, definitely will shy away from picking the Rams as a huge uh, favorite <laughs> for these uh, betting locks uh, moving forward. Yeah, Rams are still in a good spot, though, uh, as uh, because yeah. of what we'll talk about here in a minute with some of the other teams in the division. But... Uh, they are, they're still in good shape here, even despite an ugly win. You'll take it. Uh, three and one. Giants zero and four. Uh, probably not too surprising there uh, either. All right, but as I said, my streak does continue now. My streak of not <laughs> losing continues. Not necessarily my streak of winning. Uh, the Bucks were seven point favorites in this one against the Chargers, and they wind up winning by seven here. So uh, we get a nice push uh, with this one, but I will claim it as a victory uh, because uh, it was one where I actually think I saw the line move up to seven and a half in a lot of places before the game started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I was someone that got in on that seven and a half, and it did not go well. Uh, <laughs> but well, at least here on the podcast, get a nice victory with this one. I uh, wasn't particularly sure when the Chargers had a 24-7 to lead uh-huh. uh, with a minute 37 to go in the first half. But then... I think what you could clearly point to as the turning point of the game was the, the touchdown to Mike Evans with, uh, what was it, it was like 20 seconds left in the first half. Now, I yep. think that came off the turnover, maybe mm-hmm. or something. I can't remember exactly yep. what happened. But, uh, yeah, that was sort of the turning point because from there, that allowed the Bucks to kind of get a little bit of momentum back. They took the lead. Uh, and then even when the Chargers regained the lead at the end of the third, uh, the, the, the Bucks wind up winning the game. And I think that's one where – you know, if the Bucks lose that game, I think you really start to look at them and, and start having some of those things in the back of your mind, like, oh, that's that's not a good loss. Uh, mm-hmm. But the fact that they found a way to win, uh, defense wasn't the, the greatest performance, but at the same time, uh, at least the Bucks find a way to win this game. Yeah, they stepped up in the second half. I thought they made great adjustments because, yeah, early on, Justin Herbert, who looked fantastic, I mean, obviously looked pretty good in his first game against the Chiefs, but I thought this was probably his best performance of the year. Uh, really accurate deep down the field with a couple deep touchdowns and just overall looked fantastic. But, yeah, I mean, even though Tampa's defense gave up all those yards to the air, they were dominant as usual on the ground. Obviously, the Eckler injury is part of that, but Joshua Kelly, nine carries for seven yards, that's not going to get it done. And yeah. we know that's the strength of Tampa's defense. The secondary is still solid. I think they, even though it's one bad game, it's, it's going to happen in the NFL. So not completely discouraged by them. They still end up outgaining the Chargers by 160 yards and but yeah from the Chargers point of view it's just <laughs> you feel like you could be three and one maybe four or no honestly they've lost all these games by one score yeah. if they played like this last week against Carolina I feel like they end up winning by a, a touchdown or two so it's got a it's a weird feeling I mean it always seems to be like the the 
perpetual thing for Charger fans. You feel like the team should be better record-wise than they are. And for Tampa, yeah, I wouldn't be too discouraged by it. If anything, I mean, the offense is finally looking really, really good clicking. Obviously, they get helped, as you mentioned, by that fumble there at right at the end of the half. I'm not sure how many timeouts Tampa Bay had, but it looked like the Chargers may have been able to just knee out the clock inside their own 10. It, that was a brutal play, but nonetheless, in the second half, Tom Brady and that whole uh, offense right now really clicking. Yep, it was for sure. And uh, the Bucks, uh, they now have a lot more confidence because they had lost that game. Uh, like you said, we may have some, some worries about them moving forward. Obviously, speaking of uncertainty, the Texans are 0-4. We talked about Bill O'Brien getting fired. But, uh, Dylan, despite your uh, betting lock streak not continuing, you at least nail an upset here because uh, you did pick the Vikings on the road against the Texans. Texans were four-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Um, and, you know, as we know, the Vikings get the win 31-23. Bill O'Brien's out, and uh, not a huge surprise, as we said, when you trade uh, either your best player or second-best player, however you want to look at it, um, away. And since then, the Texans have not really been the same this season at 0-4. As we've said many times, their defense is not the same either. Um, the Vikings, uh, look, at, at this point, it doesn't matter who you beat. They just had to get a win, and I think the fact that they did – Maybe now they can build a little bit of momentum here moving forward. But for the Texans, obviously a lot more questions than answers now. Yeah, I just felt with this upset pick a little more confident in Minnesota's structure compared to Houston's. Yeah. Obviously, even though they're, the Vikings are struggling, even if they had lost this game, there's no way Mike Zimmer was going to be fired. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they honestly they probably could have won the week before against Tennessee. That was a really crazy game. So you're not feeling too bad if you're Minnesota at this point. Obviously, one and three is not the place you want to be. But their rushing attack is fantastic. They still need to improve in the passing game. Cousins played fine. Not, I wouldn't say fantastic, but they really dominated on the ground. Dalvin Cook, obviously for fantasy owners just fantastic if Madison giving a touchdown there uh weight as well and yeah for Houston man oh god it's like <laughs> especially on this on this Sunday you saw all these teams of uh injuries outside of the Eckler one but you see the injuries uh, we'll get to the Browns uh, and their rushing attack with Cream Hunt uh, obviously now the Panthers are 2-0 and with Mike Davis back there instead of McCaffrey and you have this team trading away one of the best receivers in the NFL for a running back, no matter how good David Johnson can be, has been, man. And, we, I mean, in the moment, everyone – it was like one of those few trades where everyone in the moment was like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> and that's only part of the story. I mean, this is a team that has had so much talent over the years. It has Even though they've made it to the playoffs, they never made it to an AFC title game. They never really made – done too much substantially outside of a few uh, wild card wins. So, man, it's a – it's, it's going to be interesting to see who goes there. Uh, obviously, they have the whole season to really figure it out. I don't think – I don't know if they're going to – they're probably going to wait till after the year and try to hire away one of these uh, offensive coordinators. I feel like Eric Bieniemy has to be yeah. at the top of your list for a guy that could figure out how to make – uh, give Deshaun Watson some help and really get this uh, ship right on track. But it's, it's not even just that. The problem is also the fact that he was the GM. And uh, that's where I'm like, personnel-wise, the team is so top-heavy. That's where I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned. Obviously, you got the quarterback position filled out, but you have a lot to build around him. It feels like, like I don't know, it's just a huge project. But I, I guess you'd rather have a young, really uh, star quarterback like Deshaun Watson, who I hope for his sake, man, especially with that extension, I hope they're able to figure this out and get the right pieces around him within a couple of years. Give me Eric Bieniemy or Jeff Fisher. Bring it full circle. Oh. Bring <laughs> Jeff back to Houston. Like, just bring him back. I mean, come on. Why not? Oh, uh, but, no, in all seriousness, yeah, like you said, I think Eric Bieniemy will be should be right at the top of the list. Uh, if not, who knows? We'll see. Uh, maybe somebody makes the move from uh, college to the pros. We'll see if uh, what it looks like. But 
Lots of different options. Uh, maybe maybe Dabo Sweeney wants to wants to get reunited with his friend. Although I think he's already addressed that and says he had no no interest. But uh, I guess you probably can't blame him considering what he's got going at Clemson. All right, let's. Uh, I guess the next game, the less said, the better. The Colts, um, the dogs are just really just wrestling behind me here. They, this is probably more entertaining than this Colts Bears game we're going to talk about. Uh, but the Bears win, or excuse me, the Colts win 19 to 11. I obviously picked the Bears as my upset pick here. Um, but uh, Dylan, I'll let you have this one so uh, we can I can mute while these two finish their uh, steel cage match uh, here beside me. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, this is the other part of that uh, really boring afternoon slate. The Colts-Bears game, talk about the Rams-Giants being um, a sleeper. I thought this one was really (laughs) difficult to stay attentive with. Um, Obviously, the Colts get the win and kind of were in control the whole time, but it was never a huge... Uh, huge uh, deficit for Chicago and it's the same kind of story for Indianapolis as dominant as their defense has been and continues to rank at the top of the DVOA rankings after week four their offense has not found a way to really punch it in the end zone too often when they get down in the red zone they've been they just gained so many yards to get down there and it's the same story the last couple weeks they've won these games with really dominant defensive performances but if they want to hope to get on the level of the, the best teams in the AFC that they're going to be facing what most likely in the postseason, they can't keep settling for field goals. Luckily for them, they have a lot of time to figure that out. But that's the only real big takeaway. I mean, the Bears, uh, oh man, we talk about uh, the quarterback situation there. And Nick Foles, I, w- I was a little bit surprised they didn't go back to Trubisky at some point because it, was, it really was not pretty. And it's not really all on him, obviously. They don't. Uh, you know, Allen Robinson's really, really good, but I mean, Mooney's fine, but these weapons outside of Robinson, teams can really just key in on him. The offensive line's not great. The fact that they don't have any running game, that just, it really limits what Matt Nagy can do, has done in the past uh, with some of these quarterbacks. It obviously worked with Foles previously in Kansas City when he's offensive coordinator there, but just overall for Chicago, I mean, I know you. You're happy to be 3-0, but I don't think Bears fans were, like, celebrating. Like, a lot of fan bases, if they heard pushback against a 3-0 start, they'd get defensive. I think Bears fans were the ones starting most of the uh, – yeah. <laughs> talking about how they didn't really, you know, feel insanely confident in them. Obviously, a tough opponent in Indianapolis with that defense. So, for Chicago, at least you still have those three wins. But it's going to be a tough test for them against Tampa next week. Yeah, um, not exactly an easy road ahead for the Bears. Uh, the Bucks next week, or this week, as we said, then they've got – uh, I think they play the Panthers uh, the following week. Then they go to Los Angeles, play the Rams, Saints, Titans, Vikings, Packers after that. So uh, Bears could go backwards in a hurry here uh, if they're not, not able to, to win a couple of these games because the competition does get pretty strong here when you consider that their first three games of the season were against the Lions, the Giants, and the Falcons. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with the Bears there moving forward. But uh, before we talk about uh, the rest of the games, let's talk about DoorDash, who we've talked about a lot here on the podcast recently. Uh, you've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. You can choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. 
Plus, many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way to you. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, Dylan, I think we, we made so much fun of this Broncos-Jets game. It actually wound up being one of the more entertaining games of the week, uh, I guess, overall. Um, but it was still resulted in a Jets loss, which was uh, probably not all that surprising. Uh, although, I guess, um, you did pick the Jets here. I have no idea what you're thinking, and we may need to rewind the tape because uh, I'd like to know what you were talking about here, picking the Jets to win a football game. Uh, but, uh, jokes aside, uh, the Broncos get the win. Sam Darnold may or may not play this week. The Jets are a mess, and uh, Adam Gase, uh, I think, is up next when it comes to uh, coaches that are probably going to be fired at some point. Yeah, I was really betting on the Joe Flacco revenge game. It must have been what it was. But, no, I learned my lesson even as I was making the pick on the last podcast. I was like, this is probably not a good idea. And sure enough, it did not pan out. Really weird game. One of the most misleading parts about this box score has to be the Jets rushing because it has the Darnold, <laughs> that long scramble for the touchdown that he had. Really drove up their average. Otherwise, Frank Gore, 13 for 30 yards. Kareem, five carries for 15 yards. I mean, it was... It was a brutal game from the uh, condensed game that I watched afterward. I was very much focused on the Dodger playoff game during this. I was not going to be watching, I'm sorry, a Broncos-Jets yeah. <laughs> game live Admitted as a result. It. But, you know, that condensed game was actually fairly entertaining for how bad these teams are. Like you said, this game, in terms of entertainment value, definitely uh, played up beyond anything I could have imagined. Yeah, wasn't great. And believe it or not, the Jets probably, they play the Cardinals um, this week. We'll get to the Cardinals here in a second, but uh, I don't know. Like, if the Jets are going to win a game, they, they may need to do it this week against the Cardinals because their upcoming schedule does not look great uh, after that. They play at the Chargers against the Bills, at the Chiefs, against the Patriots, and then they get the Dolphins in back-to-back games. So uh, that may be a way to turn around the season, although there's a bye week in between there. But uh, at least that's uh, a nice scheduling quirk that could benefit the Jets late season. Saints at the Lions, uh, this was a game that was actually pretty you know, pretty entertaining as well. Started mm-hmm. off such a quick start for the Lions. Uh, I think Matthew Stafford threw a couple touchdowns in the first couple minutes of the game. Uh, and before you know it, uh, all of a sudden, uh, the Lions blow a lead. What do you know? Um, the Saints come back, went at 35-29. to uh, Five straight touchdowns for the Saints in this game. And uh, it was pretty much just one of those where even without Michael Thomas, uh, Drew Brees found enough of his weapons. You had Traquan Smith getting on the action, Alvin Kamara, Emmanuel Sanders, kind of threw it all over the place. And uh, the Lions just, eh, I mean, you know, like we've said before, Lions are good enough offensively to, to have some really entertaining games, but they just, they don't have that it factor, I think, elsewhere. And, uh. and it's just, they, you know, they, they just, they're, they're in a spot where they're going to blow these leads. And as we said, we've seen them do it multiple times now this season. Yeah, they're one of the worst uh, by efficiency run defenses in the NFL, and that's, I mean, that's the thing about them. You're not often feeling like you, you don't have time to come back either because, yeah, their defense is just pretty terrible. For the yeah. Saints, I mean, you're happy you get the win. Still concerned maybe a bit about the defense, but, I mean, the Lions have a good offense. Just like last week they faced the Packers, another team with a good offense. So 
these are games you have to win, especially after a one and two start. Really important for Norland just to find a way. Obviously, they caught fire there um, for a while in that comeback. It felt like, yeah, you could have turned the channel from red zone to a game and gone back and not noticed that they were already ahead by how fast they uh, put some points up on the board. But yeah, like you said, Detroit, just the it factor part is just a concern at this point. Like you're you're back in it. They they have made it close late again, but. Uh, obviously could not get that stop on that final drive when Rollins was able to run the clock out. It's just not enough from Detroit at this point uh, outside of much uh, fantasy value. And uh, obviously another coach that maybe maybe on the hot seat or at least should be in Matt Patricia because uh, <laughs> you can definitely argue, and, and there's been comments I know from him where he talked about like the roster he came in with. The roster he came in with had a winning record, even though it was 9-7. Yeah. and seven. Um, And they've really just, especially for a defensive guy, it's just like for the most encouraging part of your team to be on the other side of the ball, which you're not as involved in. And when when you are talked about with that side, it's usually about you being too conservative and you influencing the game plan too much. Sure enough, I mean, there there were times where they weren't running the ball insanely well in this one where you felt like they could let Stafford go at it a bit, especially in early downs. And sure enough, Detroit's just... uh, It's it's got to be frustrating when you look at how much talent they do have on offense because... Uh, they, yeah, obviously, they're one drop pass still away from being two and two, but I feel like this team is a one and three football team at its core. Big couple games coming up for Matt Patricia's job security at the Jags, at the Falcons next, and uh, kind of take care of you, you, <laughs> if you lose both those, uh, all bets are off at that point. Uh, I think for him. All right, if you hear that sound, it's actually not the dogs wrestling in the background anymore. It's a lot of people jumping off the Cardinals bandwagon, <laughs> me included, because uh, the Panthers win 31-21 to against the Cardinals. The Cardinals came out completely flat in this game, never felt like they were a threat to win this game at any point to me. Um, you know, even late in that game when, when they mm-hmm. started to put together some offense, I never thought they were going to win, and I think that's not good because we thought they had sort of turned a corner, but then you see them have a game like this, and it's like, uh-oh. Like, are they sort of back to that spot to where defense didn't play great at all? Um, You kind of look at it overall. Kyler Murray didn't have a great game, even though, I mean, he had three touchdowns, but he only throws for 133 yards. He did have 78 yards on the ground. Again, I know those stats are like, oh, well, there's a guy who just, you know, went over 200 yards passing and rushing from his quarterback. But still, like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, you have to find a way to win these kind of games. And they just got off to a bad start. They got down so quick in this game. Mm-hmm. And in that division, like, these are the games you cannot afford to lose. And I think we talked about that. And to go in and be yep. down three touchdowns to a Panthers team that's a lot of people think going to be in the running for a number one, number two, number three pick in the in the draft, not good here from the Cardinals. Yeah, they did not adapt, and we I talked about that on the last podcast in terms of Arizona being willing to, to really attack Carolina where it's weak on defense, and that's in the running game. I mean, Kyler does throw three touchdowns, but to throw the ball 31 times for 133 yards, yeah. that's pretty ridiculous. Um, it's Yeah, for Arizona, uh, and I, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I had the Panthers as my initial pick before <laughs> I flipped it to the Cardinals after I looked at all the stats and everything, convinced myself otherwise. And sure enough, yeah, I mean, I felt a little bit too good on Arizona. I still think they're a good football team. I still think they're going to be on the fringe of a playoff spot. But like you said, in this division, these are the games, and we can talk about this with San Francisco later, but these are the games you have to find a way to win. Uh, I, I do think the Panthers are a lot better than the Giants, so it's not really a, it's <laughs> yeah. fair to equate this to what the Rams were able to do in winning that game. I think, yeah, on the flip side, though, just real quick on Carolina, I think uh, this is a team that – uh, after those first two weeks, looked pretty brutal. And to bounce back with, you know, a tough win last week against a Charger team that I didn't think they really were 
are going to stand a chance to. And then winning this one in, even though it's a 10 point game, pretty dominant fashion. They outgained Arizona by almost 200 yards. They're seven for 11 on third down, but that's because they were passing on early downs. As we always talk about, they have really efficient play calls. They were always at third and short when they were on third down. Teddy looked great. Uh, every Their running game looked great. The offensive line was dominating up front. Uh, I just, yeah, really impressed with what Matt Rule has done with the culture-wise. You feel like everyone on that offense, at least, I mean, the defense still has a lot of really young pieces that they're building towards getting better. But I think on offense, they're already clicking in the system with Matt Rule. Uh, really good to see Teddy Bridgewater succeeding as well. That one touchdown run was really yeah. exhilarating. A, a cut that I feel like we just you haven't seen him make since his early years in Minnesota. So, yeah, good for the Panthers. I They're definitely better than I thought they would be through four weeks. The Bengals may also be better than uh, some people thought they'd be, even though they're 1-2-1. One, one. Um, they still look pretty good in this game. They get their first win, Joe Burrow's first win. Uh, as an NFL player here, he throws for 300 yards, had a touchdown interception. But Joe Mixon is back, baby. 25 <laughs> carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, this was one, as we said, I mean, this is kind of one of those games for me. If if the Bengals were going to be a team that can, you know, compete with, with – I mean, we saw it against the Eagles, like we said. I mean, we thought this was a team that has gotten a lot better just overall when you see how they played thus far this season. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those games I think they had to win to make you feel pretty confident about them moving forward. And, and I do. Like I said, I don't think they're going to win the division or anything. And they may probably finish third in that division – or finish last, excuse me, in that mm-hmm. division. But at the same time, this is a different Bengals team, I think, than we saw a year ago. And uh, this was this was a nice win for them, even though it's the team, like we said, it's been pretty inconsistent in the Jacks. Yeah, you'll still take it, especially after a game where they felt like they probably could have beaten Philadelphia last week. To get that first victory, and as you mentioned, Mixon, I mean, for fantasy owners, this is what they've been asking for for three years. This kind of target share, he gets 31 touches, uh, obviously really dominant on the ground, and Joe Burrow looked great on defense. I thought, I mean, they still give up 25 points, but Jacksonville's no slouch on, on offense. Uh, one of the surprising things, I think, of when I look at DVO rank, rankings through four weeks is the fact that Cincinnati's defense is right in the middle of the pack, 16th, 10th in passing defense DVOA. That is not something – I thought would happen. We'll see where it is at the end of the year for Cincinnati, but that's got to be really encouraging. Uh, You know, obviously I don't think they're a playoff contender yet, but I I just, again, kind of like talking about with Carolina after four weeks, how you feel about where the team's at. I feel like you're really encouraged with Cincinnati. They could easily be three and one if they, they find a way to win that week one game. If AJ Green doesn't get called for offensive pass interference, they don't miss a 32 yard field goal against the chargers. And if, you know, they just finish against Philly. I mean, this could be a three and one football team and our conversation's a lot different about them. Um, obviously Joe Burrows look good, but I think their progression on defense is definitely something that I did not anticipate this quickly. I'll tell you who is three and one. That's the Cleveland Browns. Um, <laughs> they are three and one, 49, 38 winners against the Cowboys. My pick for the Super Bowl, as we said, I really, I mean, I, I could lose pretty significantly in this game because I picked the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl. I picked the Browns as my surprise team in the NFL. Um, one of those looking a lot better than the others right now, uh, all things considered. So, I I don't even know where you start. I'll tell you right now, my, my biggest fantasy football mistake this year was picking Kyler Murray over Dak Prescott, knowing that, that Dak had this defense to work with uh, <laughs> because this was, this was a bad move because Dak is pretty much going to be money, I think, every week moving forward because the Cowboys defense is a mess. Um, and you talked about getting Joe Mixon more involved. Who knew that uh, getting Odell Beckham Jr. more involved would help the Browns be a better team? And sure enough, that's what they did here. Uh, he started off quick, and he had that uh, late run for 50 yards uh, for pretty much sealed the game. 
This was a heck of a performance from the Browns, but if you're the Cowboys and uh, you're someone like me, you had big expectations for the Cowboys, they are a mess right now. It, uh, yeah, especially on defense, as you mentioned. I, I feel bad for their offense because they, they do look pretty solid there. Obviously, the turnover issues are one thing, but I think some of that isn't really as a little bit of fumble luck. I think they've had some ridiculous number of fumbles lost to the percentage of fumbles they've had. So uh, that those kind of things you can't really control. They still end up with 60 more yards than the Browns, but holy crap, their defense is so bad. I know the Browns are one of the – have really their offensive line is – clicking and uh, running, at least in the run game uh, in Cleveland. But holy crap, there were plays, multiple plays, and I'm not trying to pick too much in Trayvon Diggs, but there was one that was pointed out, I forget by who on Twitter, where it's a run play the whole way, and he's covering his guy down the field as if it's a pass and gets gets pancakes because he doesn't understand what's happening in front of him. I mean, that's just (laughs) – that that kind of sums it up. But overall, yeah, 300 yards, over 300 yards rushing without Nick Chubb in the game outside of six carries. And it's not even Kareem Hunt. It's Dearness Johnson, who's the one with the most carries, with the most yards. And, oh, my – I mean, like, the Browns were explosive. They – obviously a big part of those rushing yards came on that end around uh, with Odell Beckham. But, uh, man, it was (laughs) – I, you know, I thought after watching Dallas early in the year that the defense was going to be a little better. You you could have excused the performance against – uh, Seattle and how many points they give up there. Uh, Falcons still have a good offense, you think, maybe not. So that doesn't look as good after what we've seen from Atlanta the last couple of weeks, especially this week. Uh, and then, yeah, for the Browns to do what they did, no matter how good Dallas's offense is, I am really – the concern going into the season, that was our question, you know, we talk about our concerns with these Super Bowl contenders uh, just given some of the talent they have. And one of the biggest concerns had to be the defense for Dallas. I did not anticipate it being this bad. This is – this is beyond anything I could have expected. It was really hard to watch how wide open guys were, how easily the Browns were moving the ball. It was pretty, pretty ugly for Dallas. Yeah, go find my man Dearness uh, Johnson there on the fantasy <laughs> waiver wire this week. Of course, I'm, I'm an owner of Kareem Hunt in all leagues, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling okay right now about that. But, uh, yeah, with Nick Chubb out for a while, Dearness Johnson clearly probably going to play a role here, especially because Kareem Hunt, we have to remember, too, I think was dealing with a was it a groin injury, hamstring injury, yeah, yeah. something. And so, um, you know, obviously there's no reason to suggest he won't play uh, next week, but at the same time, or this week, uh, but at the same time, like you said, you want to, I mean, clearly they, if you see someone like that that almost gets 100 yards uh, rushing there, you're probably going to factor him to the mix. And so uh, we'll see what it looks like there for the Browns. But, yeah, the Cowboys are a mess. For sure. All right, Seahawks-Dolphins, uh, I don't really think there's a ton to take away from this game. Uh just kind of felt like the Seahawks were playing around for a while, and then finally they pretty much uh, put the foot on the gas at the end. Uh, they led by, I want to say they, was 30, they were up 31-15, and then the, the Dolphins scored that late touchdown. Uh, but uh, overall, I, I don't really, you know, like I said, not a lot for me to take away from this game just because we said it. This could be one of those weird games that was actually pretty close. Uh, but Seahawks win again. They're still undefeated. Yeah, the only thing I think I missed on this one, I felt like it was for sure going to be the over. It was 55 points was the over-under. <laughs> they end up with uh, 54 there. Yeah. I really thought, yeah, with all this, all the Seattle's games have been in the 60s, that almost caught up to that point. Um, uh, yeah, d- nothing really learned. It was, uh, I mean, Seattle could have won by more. They had some uh, drops in the first half that uh, uh, let drives go to come to an end. 
Otherwise, they, they probably put up at least 40-something points. Uh, the defense still didn't look great. <laughs> Gave up over 400 yards to the Dolphins. So it's, it's, it almost played out exactly outside of uh, some of the mistakes by Seattle's offense. Otherwise, it played out exactly as I would have anticipated. <laughs> yeah, and I think you could honestly probably say the same with this Ravens-Washington game. Like, mm-hmm. Ravens were 13-point favorites. I think by the time the game started, uh, one of the sportsbook I looked at, it was up to 14 and a half. Go. Admittedly, again, I took the fourteen and a half, uh-huh. and uh, it didn't work out too well. <laughs> so that's just so which way. Listen, which way you got to get down lines early? Like you got to yes. go early and you got to get them because uh, I was one that just got behind on my stuff this week and uh, I was a little late to them, and it was fourteen and a half, and I was like, eh, I still feel like pretty comfortable, but uh, Vegas people know what they're talking about. So yeah, this again, I don't know what this is a. I mean, what what do you take away from this really? We've not anything we talked about, we haven't talked about before. I mean, this was just sort of your your methodical Ravens win that you've kind of gotten used to, and uh, this was just really one of those. Yeah, a good bounce back, at least for them. Obviously, I obviously expected them to dominate this game. Um, but, yeah, after what we saw from Kansas City the previous week, against the Washington defense, obviously still to what, uh, the injury to Chase Young, still a defense that has been surprisingly pretty good so far this year. Um, they're definitely – uh, surprising with how high they continue to rank in DVOA. Fourth in DVOA still on defense. So it's no slouch of a team that they put up 31 points on. They obviously could have had more. By the end of the game, maybe a little more surprised. Washington Washington almost equaled them out in total yards. Uh, I feel like Baltimore kind of just had that big lead and was letting Torian Haskins throw underneath quite a bit. Not really uh, forcing the issue as much as they uh, usually would like to. So maybe, I mean, Baltimore's defense did not look great against Kansas City. A lot of defenses aren't going to look good against Kansas City. But maybe if there's anything... To, to think about with the Ravens right now, it's it's on the defensive side of the ball. They're they're still solid. They're still really good. But I maybe maybe you feel like they could have had a more dominant performance against the Washington offense, which we consider to be one of the worst in the NFL. Well, uh, one of that's not one of the worst in the NFL is the Buffalo Bills. It feels like the it's like the early '90s in Buffalo right now because uh, this <laughs> this team is rolling, man. They're four and zero. They get the win against the Raiders, thirty to twenty three. Pretty good game here, actually. This uh, was a pretty close game down to the wire, but uh, the Bills once again, fourth quarter, they just found a way. They made plays. Josh Allen made plays, and uh, Bills get another victory here. And uh, man, I don't know. You look at this team right now. They got a big game. I mean, they got a big stretch here coming up. They're at the Titans uh, this week, assuming that game is played. Uh, then they get the Chiefs at home. Look, if they can go in and, and beat the Titans mm-hmm. and then come back and come into that Chiefs game 5-0, and like that's that's a game right there. Yeah, I think their defense will hopefully respond. They still are down in the 20s in DVOA. It's not something that you anticipated, but it hasn't been an issue because of, yeah, how just fantastic Josh Allen has looked. He's been absolutely incredible um, in, in that offense. Maybe you want them to run the ball a bit better. They're 31st in offensive efficiency of running, but they've just been so good through the air. Josh Allen's, as we keep talking about, just so accurate at all levels of the field. Uh, his chemistry with Stephon Diggs cannot be more obvious, but he's also not afraid to go to multiple targets. I think he threw to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten guys in this game. So, yeah, I mean, Buffalo's offense really clicking in. You feel like the defense still has the talent to to be a top ten, top you know, at least toward, more towards the middle of the pack in the 20s in, in efficiency. And when that happens, if, if this offense is still clicking, that is where Buffalo goes from a team that, you know, is on that next tier that we consider below, um, obviously, where the Chiefs and Ravens are. I think that they, if the defense can elevate their play, they have a chance to actually, you know, if they get hot at the right time, make a run in the AFC. Well, boy, just, just when I was ready to be done with the Eagles – 
the first place Philadelphia Eagles lure me back in with a a win against the 49ers. Yes, the first place Eagles in the NFC East at one two and one. Uh, uh, we're, I don't even know what to say. Like this NFC East, I'm telling you, what a mess this is right now. But uh, <laughs> give give the Eagles credit. We kind of wrote them off. We thought this was one where, man, they could be in bad shape in a hurry here. Uh, after that Bengals game, but they find a way to win this, and this is, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like, this is one they absolutely had to have, um, knowing that, you know, their next two games aren't exactly easy either. They play the Steelers next, and then they play the Ravens. So, Eagles had to have this one, and they got it, and so I guess you go off of that, but (laughs) I I, I don't have any confidence in anyone in the NFC still at this point. Like, we talked about this division possibly being really weak uh, outside of these top two teams, mm. but, man, they still don't – you still don't feel that good about the no. the Eagles and Cowboys. Holy crap, this division – I mean, 8-7 and seven or 9-7, or and seven, whatever it took Philly to win it last year, you feel like it's going to be something like 7-8-1 and one might be good enough for Philly yeah. to win the division. Because, uh, like you said, they're probably going to be 1-4-2 and two after the next couple of weeks against the opponents that – are uh, really tough that aren't as banged up as San Francisco. The Niners end up still outgaining them by 150 yards. Philadelphia just really capitalized, uh, forcing turnovers too, but capitalizing late with some really big scores. Finally, you see Carson Wentz show some toughness, actually show some uh, deep accuracy at certain points, not throughout the game, uh, not every single uh, drive down there, but uh, they had to find a way to win. I I think this is the definition of a gutsy win because, yeah, they they really did in terms of like play-to-play, get-out-played, but Nick Mullins didn't look great. Uh, it's a game where you, you start to actually understand. You look at, you know, when they, they beat the Giants and Jets, and you're like, oh, they don't they're, – they're completely fine. It's all Kyle Shanahan. But Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, for whatever you want to say about him, he's they, – they win that game last night if he's playing. I, yeah. Uh, outside of those mistakes, that's an easy W, I think, for uh, San Francisco. For Philly, at least for one week, you get to be in first place. I don't know if it's going to last, but it might, given uh, the quality of the other teams in their division. Listen, crucial stretch coming up here for the Niners, too. Their next two games are at home. This is part of their, their three-game homestand here. They, they play the Dolphins and the Rams up next. Then after that, at the Patriots, at the Seahawks, at home against the Packers, at the Saints, at the Rams, at home against the Bills. So the rest of their schedule after probably the next couple of weeks is brutal for the Niners uh, because mm-hmm. you even add in games where they still got to go to Dallas and play the Cowboys. Then you've still got games at the Cardinals against the Seahawks as well, and they're two later in the season. So... Yeah, I mean this is this is a pretty pretty big stretch I think here for the Niners. They're, they're gonna have to find a way to beat some of these good teams, and of course, getting healthy mm-hmm. is gonna be important doing that. But uh, we know on defense that's gonna be easier said than done because they've already lost uh, as many guys as they have for the season. So we'll see. We'll see with the Niners, uh, but the Eagles, yeah, absolutely had to have that one for sure. And the Green Bay Packers continue their uh, We Hate Dylan tour with uh, another win <laughs> because after Dylan's uh, bold prediction that the Packers were not gonna make the playoffs right now. They look like one of the front runners to win the Super Bowl uh, because they get a win against the Falcons, 30 to 16. I admit uh, this is another betting snafu here for me. The the over to me was an absolute lock until, <laughs> of course, we found out that Alan Lazard was going to be out a while. Uh, we knew, you know, we didn't know exactly whether Devontae Adams would play. He didn't, but guess what? Still no problem for the Packers as they still put up 30 points yet again. And Aaron Rodgers is just fantastic yet again. As you said earlier, Robert Tanyan, who scored three touchdowns, um, just, I don't know, man. Like, the Falcons are 0-4, Packers are 4-0, and uh, just uh, two teams uh, heading in opposite directions here. Yeah, the Falcons, I it's hard to really talk too highly of them. 
after this game. Yeah. You face a defense that is really still not that good in Green Bay. This this win only moved them up two spots in efficiency-wise uh, to 26 in DVOA, and yet you still only come away with 16 points. Uh, obviously, Julio being out for after you know starting the game, uh, getting you know his injury flaring up, to not have any receptions to Calvin Ridley. There was one, especially mm-hmm. in the end zone, where he's wide open, and it's like you know it's as much as <laughs> there's times where you feel like Matt Ryan is uh, on that top or, you know, maybe in the tier two or whatever it is of quarterbacks. This game, he looked really, really bad. And Aaron Rodgers, oh, my gosh. Like, uh, <laughs> what he's able to do with these with the guys he has is pretty crazy for your two leading receivers to be Robert Tanyan and Jamal Williams. I mean, that, I don't, that's all you really need to say. I, I do wonder, <laughs> I'm like envisioning some of these receivers that have looked really good in their first few games, uh, obviously drafted for their spot there um, and, uh, and Justin Jefferson, but I just imagine how dynamic he would be in this Packers offense. Um, they, yeah, obviously, <laughs> uh, as I said, after I think either week two or three, uh, if I could, I would definitely flip my picks to the Packers. I did not... For all the things about what they did last year, they don't look like the same team at all, at least on offense. The defense, as if anything, maybe regressed it's had so far. We'll see over the course of the year how it all pans out. But on offense, man, they don't look like the team that is constantly in third and long that's making Aaron Rodgers make plays that just maybe aren't the ones he needs to all the time or is capable of just be given, you know, used to be basically what we're watching with Mahomes week to week. Aaron Rodgers is still dynamic, but they don't, he doesn't have to be that guy in this offense, what they're doing in terms of their efficiency on early downs, passing on early downs. We talked about how early in the year last year they were a little more efficient than that, especially on second and, and shorts and how much they threw. But, man, they – I mean – Again, another team we talked about, uh, I forgot exactly who it was earlier, with that really high is the Panthers and their third down efficiency. It's the same thing for the Packers. It's because every time you look up for third down for them, it's third and two, third and three. And, I mean, that's going to be the case against Atlanta. And I know they should put up 30 points against Atlanta. But I'm, yeah, I could really encourage by the Packers. I think at this point, um, I mean, they're not, I wouldn't say they're the best team in the NFC necessarily off the top of my head, but they're they're right there in that running. And obviously, <laughs> you keep tallying wins. Uh, they have a bye week now pretty early in the year. Uh, we talk about the Bears having a tough test of Tampa. I think when they face, when the Packers put, come back and they're by, they're in Tampa Bay. That's going to be a really interesting, you know, measuring stick game for both of those teams, two teams that feel like they're heading in the right direction. Um, I, I think right now the, the issue for Green Bay for me in terms of being, uh, you know, c- completely confident in them going all the way is the defense. I, yeah. It's the same thing, the same issue I have with Seattle. And I think Seattle's offense maybe. Uh, so at least on the same level of Green Bay, if not probably higher in my mind. It's just that defense is the one thing that I'm still – I'm at their 4-0, and I want to be completely confident in. But uh, we'll see how that pans out against uh, Tampa Bay next week and some other teams that face down the rest of the way. But their schedule is not – you know, I'm just looking at it. It's not like the hard – like I no. could see a, a situation where because Seattle's in the NFC West, the Packers are in this division, they have to face the AFC South. Uh, obviously, the Texans aren't going to be that tough of an opponent. Uh, there are some tough games, but I, you, you see a path to a number one seed just based on the strength of schedule for the Green Bay Packers, and that obviously only one team gets a bye this year, so that could, that would go a long way. Yeah, I was looking at that as you were talking, and I was thinking the same thing. Like their schedule is really not that brutal compared to some of the others. Like we just talked about the 49ers and such. Like the Packers mm-hmm. schedule is nowhere near. Um, to that level at least right now it doesn't look that way so uh, we'll see what happens there yeah the Packers looking very good right now is one of the best teams in the NFL uh, at this point in the season but uh, there you go there's a look back at uh, week four in the NFL and uh, of course on the next episode we will look ahead 
make our picks for week five, and hopefully all the games will be played and none of them will get moved uh, dates because uh, that way we can get back to our normal uh, programming here uh, on the podcast. But, Dylan, for now, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on over at Clutch Points, uh, getting everybody ready for all the upcoming action this week in the NFL, plus NBA Finals going on, baseball playoffs, the Dodgers. Uh, we just got everything. Yes, you can follow all the all the NFL, NBA, and MLB games, the, the finals, the playoffs, and the regular season here for the NFL in the Clutch Points app. Uh, obviously, in the NFL section there, we also have all of our written content, our audio content with this podcast. You can go to our website at clutchpoints.com to the NFL section there for all the NFL content. Search fantasy football for all the fantasy content. The waiver wire pickups article today is already out. By the time you listen to this, we'll be probably getting up some of our stardom system recommendations, obviously. Some decisions you're going to have to make now with bye weeks uh, just beginning for Green Bay and Detroit. Um, so we got that covered. And, yeah, excited. Hopefully it feels like maybe a bullet was dodged by the fact that the team that faced the Titans didn't have any positive tests in the Vikings uh, the previous week. Yeah. So, we'll yeah, we'll see. And it, uh, there's obviously the uh, the fines on the Raiders for their event where they went to a Darren Waller fundraiser and some guys weren't, weren't wearing masks. So hopefully – yeah. I mean, you, you'd think they would have learned from what happened with some of the, the teams in MLB uh, with some of the outbreaks, and there's less details about how those things happen. But, uh, yeah, hopefully moving forward, this will be a wake-up call for these teams that it's going to take an effort from everyone. It's uh, it's not a perfect situation because there's no bubble. So you really have to, not just you, but your, their families too are obviously a big part of this. There's only so much you can do uh, day-to-day to avoid it. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, at least at this point, we're still trucking forward. Yeah, we will see what happens there with that. And uh, like you said, check out everything over Clutch Points. You can find everything there. And then on the podcast, any podcast app you use, you can find us on there as well. Uh, and thanks, as always, to the fine folks to Blue Wire for all that they do. And thank you, as always, for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Established Fast Podcast. Let's talk to you about Bet Online. Uh, the wait is over. Football's back. And while you may not be at a game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. And you can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.